Everyone knows you should never take a physicist to a sci-fi movie. The same can be said about a biologist and a creature feature. We can point out how certain things are biologically unlikely or downright impossible, but that would be boring. So rather than pointing out what can't happen, why not ask ourselves, what if it was real? So using my super nerd levels of knowledge about biology, physics, and mythical creatures, my friends and I will explore how different creatures could have actually evolved on our planet and what they potentially would look like. Welcome back, everybody, and welcome to A Real Creature Feature. My name is Mac. I'm Mike. And I'm Dean. Oh boy, Dean's excited now. And today, it's a surprise. I have no idea what we're talking about. So take it away, Michael. So today, uh, I know we revealed it last week, uh, on the last episode, I should say, but what we're dealing with is we're dealing with a very famous, well, at least locally famous for Colorado, uh, rock whale known as the slide rock bolter. It is a, well, I, I think it might be better cause it's a old lumberjack. It's an old lumberjack, uh, story. Oh, it's a fierce creature. Yeah. Fearsome it, creature. It's very fearsome. Uh, Dean actually was able to pull the original, uh, the original text from the description of the Rock's Light Bolter as uh, told by, I'm very terrible that I never remember his name, William Thomas Cox. Um, William Thomas Cox wrote about the Rock's Light, uh, the Slide Rock Bolter. Got to remember that, specifically Slide Rock, because you want to go Rock Slide the other way. But, Dean, would you care to read? All right. So, uh, William Thomas Cox, I believe, was a Minnesota, Minnesota uh, uh, lumberjack. And he wrote a book um, that was published from the University of Michigan. So, on page 21, children, if you want to turn to that page of the book, The Slide Rock Bolter. Macrostoma saxiperumplis. In the mountains of Colorado, where in summer the woods are becoming infested with tourists, much uneasiness has been caused by the presence of the slide rock bolter. This frightful animal lives only in the steepest mountain, mountain country, where the slopes are greater than 45 degrees. So very much like the goat, where if the wall or what have you is less than 90 degrees they can walk up it this one's specifically about 45 degrees anything over 45 degrees and it wants to just lay down on it it has an immense head with small eyes and a mouth somewhat on the order of a sculpin running back beyond its ears the tail consists of a divided flipper with enormous enormous grab hooks which it fastens over the crest of the mountain ridge or of the mountain or ridge often remaining there motionless for days at time watching the gulch for tourists or any other hapless creature that may enter it at the right moment after sighting a tourist it will lift its tail thus loosening its hold on the mountain and with its small eyes riveted on the poor, unfortunate, and drooling thin skid grease from the corners of its mouth, 
which greatly accelerates its speeds, the bolter comes down like a toboggan, scooping in its victim as it goes, its own impetus carrying it up the next slope where it again slaps its tail over the ridge and waits. Whole parties of tourists are reported to have been gulped up at gulped at one swoop by the slide rock bolter and guides are becoming cautious about taking parties far back into the hills. The animal is an is a menace not only to tourists but to the woods as well. Many a draw through spruce-covered slopes had been laid low, the trees being knocked out by roots or mowed off by a scythe where the bolter has crashed down through from the peaks above. So that's the description of the slide rock bolter as given by the lumberjacks. So the whole thing is, it's essentially supposed to be a rock whale that hooks onto a mountainside and as long as it's more, and tries to make sure it's more than 45 degrees so that it can basically just when there's enough of whatever it needs to eat in the area let's go and swallows it all i just it, i just have to point out the the absurdity of the notion of it it its main food source is tourists we're going to get into that later <laughs> but there's a specific reason for that yes the whole thing is its main food source is tourists or whatever poor unfortunate creature might be in the way. It's not limiting itself to lumberjack to just tourists, but it's trying to make something very specific about trying to about the tourists. Now, the whole thing though is, and we're gonna get into that. Trust me, that's coming towards the that's coming towards the end of this. Okay. So the whole thing is we really have a specific order that we want to go in when we're talking about the slide rock bolter because there's a lot of there's a lot of history behind this thing and we want to kind of have the funsies parts first all right so here's the funsies part we've been thinking about this thing all day for the last three days because originally when you told us to come up with something mm -hmm. we had a few ideas and dean brought up what he called the big scoop the big mouth scoop. The big mouth scoop is what he thought it was called. Right. Eventually, we found out that it was actually the slide rock bolter. Oh, okay. And the beauty of it is, I can see why Dean would, if whoever called it that, would say that. It's got a big scoopy mouth that eats everything. The funny thing is, looking at the illustrations, it's a ridiculous creature. Yes. For a lot of reasons. So this second picture that I'm posting is from the book itself. This is the illustration that they put in that book. So the whole thing is, it's supposed to be very funny enough. This thing is more akin to a whale, truthfully, than a fish. And mostly because it's got, it, it doesn't have the vertical tail of a fish. It has a horizontal tail because that also is going to clip onto the side of a mountain. Yeah. So it's so it's more mammalian. So and, and also it breathes air. Yeah. It and it also has to use that. So it could have been feet at one point. But we think it was basically, you know, proto whale. The idea of whatever whales came from, instead of going to the ocean, it chose to go to the mountains for whatever various reasons it would choose that life. And finding its weird niche 
in essentially clear-cutting forests, <laughs> it found itself the ability to... The only problem that we have with the... The only problem I genuinely have with this, with this whale is, A, it has no front fins, so what's it going to do when it greases itself up and slides all the way down and can't get up to another ridge to hook onto it? Based off this picture, the second picture, it does look like there could be some kind of flipper. It depends on the illustration, but, but very yeah, few but, of them yeah. have very few of them have front flippers, or at least not flippers that work as well. Because my belief would be this: what it would have to do is it would do its thing of sliding down, eating everything in its wake, and then mud skippering its way back up another mountainside to hook on for another meal. Yeah, you know. Just for the fun of it. Let it be. But we have in this idea of it's essentially, as I said, it's clear cutting everything. It whatever's in its path goes in. Yeah. It essentially goes in the gullet. So that means rocks, trees, humans, the occasional caribou. Specifically tourists. Specifically tourists. Don't wear your yeah. denim jeans. Yep. Don't wear your Norfolk jacket. Do not carry a tourist guide or a map. It will know you're a tourist. We assume by smell. Keep your khaki shorts at home. Don't wear that Hawaiian shirt that you always like to wear when you go someplace. And don't keep your fanny pack with you that day. That's fine. I don't have one. Well, that's a lie. It, it It will eat anything, but it really wants a tourist. So, I mean, honestly, about the only time this thing's ever in motion is when it's on the quote-unquote attack. (laughs) So it basically just spends most of its, you know, days, you know, with the exception of a horrifying, you know, 10 to 15 minutes for whatever's in its path. It spends most of its days just hooked onto a mountain waiting for whatever's going to set it off, like a Venus flytrap. So. I got two animals that it's kind of interesting. So a uh, cool thing about elephants is uh, they like to tear down trees. Yeah. And what that does, it like, you know, helps aerate the soil. It helps like, cut, also gives like paths to other animals. It, there's actually like, there's ecological benefits for the creatures around it. Yeah. So this could also do that is it uh, takes care of like old growth and stuff like that. I would hope that that would be the, that would be the positive outlook. Yeah, that would be positive. That's the nicer look. That, that's yeah. the nicer look for this. But, and this thing genuinely is supposed to be a clear cutter. It, yeah. they talk about the, they talk about the whale trails left behind now. Of, and and of it leaves village. trails so that you can get up to the mountain. Yeah. So, you know, if you walk the whale trails, you'll see a few things up to and including other decoy tourists. Just straw-filled, cre- straw-filled tourists that are wearing Norfolk jackets and carrying to- and carrying Thomas guides for Colorado. Uh, so this also makes me think of another creature. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's very, le- it, well, it's kind of big, very dangerous. Doesn't do, doesn't like move around all that much during the ever snapping turtle. Ooh, it's a giant, giant snapping. Uh, and the thing about it is too, cause you're talking about how it's like, you know, it, so most of the energy that it would be using is getting back up the mountain. Yeah. Uh, so it's not using all that much energy when it just latched on there and just sitting there waiting. So like most of the energy use 
that it's going to be using is to go back up the mountain. Mm-hmm. Like, hmm, the yeah. way it's described in the book is it lets out enough slime that it goes down the gulch and up the other side of the gulch. Yep. Oh, oh, that's it even is, better. Is, yeah. is what it is, how it's described. So instantly yeah. my mind is like, when I had that, the image in my brain is it lets off enough slide that slime that it slides down and then goes up the other side and does a turn as if it was like a skateboarder at the top of the arc so it could go back down the other way. But it just snaps, snaps its uh, hooks onto the top. The Slide Rock Boulder is radical. Yeah, <laughs> Such and... a 90s movie. But then you were talking about uh, uh, snapping turtles. And then I'm like, a modern snapping turtle that would have a lure like a snapping turtle's tongue looks like a worm to the modern tourist. Oh, <laughs> no. It's angler fishing the tourists. No. So would the snapping turtle distract it and make it look like uh, a bike rental place? A, a, a fixed gear bike. Or or kombucha store? Yeah, I guess. Or since it's Colorado, hey. A weed dispensary. That's a weed dis. Look at that weed. I don't think anybody's tried that weed before. Oh, this is amazing. Yep. Or a really pretty deer for photo ops. Yep. Oh, true. Yes. Yeah, don't even have to be all that big. Yeah, it's never going to make it to the gram. What difference does it make? What if, what if it is partially taken care of by a group of Sasquatches? Oh, no. The Sasquatches are working with the Bolter. Oh, yes, no. Because they hate what the tourists have done to their natural beauty. Oh, and, no. and it would explain why we won't be able to see the Sasquatches. Yeah. Because there would be nobody to recognize it because it got, they got eaten. Yeah. They oh, got distracted yeah. by the cannabis store. Yep. Oh, this is amazing. Or back when it was lumberjacks and everything, a nice coffee house. Yep. This is a, uh, this is incredible. But yeah, I, I assume that we, we made the assumption that part of its diet has to be the rocks that it also absorbs like it's given up again for conservation of energy it probably would it have, has to have to a put good... everything to use yeah. yeah so i was like well animals but, so uh, i was thinking of this too because when you're saying that it does like a skateboard kind of thing where it could still have those flippers and it's pulling itself too to add momentum yeah so like if you ever seen the whole uh you know do you take a uh a bowling ball attached to a string and then you you let it go yep and then you don't move because the ball will not hit you in the face yeah because of conservation of momentum so it won't so, go any higher but it also gets real close yeah so but if you add but if you push on that ball just a little bit it's gonna hit yourself in the face because yeah it has the added momentum that'd be interesting so go sorry go back to the gizzard but yeah because it's it's swallowing everything i was like it it probably would use the rocks as something to masticate the food like a bird does in the gizzard. It has gizzard stones, um, and that's called gastroliths. Uh, yeah. Among li living vertebrates, gastroliths are common among crocodiles, alligators, herbivorous birds, seals, and sea lions. Domestic fowls require access to grit, 
stone swallowed by ostriches can be can exceed the length of 10 centimeters. Um, apparent macro uh, have also been found in frog tadpoles. Ooh. So it would be a gastrolith. And then I was also like, it, even though the illustration show teeth, it wouldn't need the teeth because the teeth would get in the way of scooping up everything. Yeah, if it was more like a duck bill. Yeah. yeah, that or the so part of the scientific name that I gave you. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, what was that? Latin for big scoop. No, oh. no. Macrostoma actually is a breed of beta fish. Yeah. So it's beta ma- uh, macrostoma. Yeah. And um, and so then I'm like, well, it could have a mouth shape similar to the beta, maybe. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Very fish like or because the fish because, yeah, the big because yeah. the beta macrostoma does not look like your fancy uh, beta that you get at Walmart or have what have you. They sort of look like a beta bred with a um, big, bass. big uh, bass or another Wisconsin or Minnesota Midwest lake fish. Yeah, but the uh, oh, look at cute beta. But it was actually interesting because um, Cox did work with um, the forester um, Cortebois. Cortebois uh, for the illustrations and botanist George Bishop Sudworth came up with the taxonomy name for it. And honestly, mm-hmm. looking at the taxonomy, it actually makes sense for if you're trying to explain, other than the fact that I don't believe it would have to be a fish, it would have to be a proto whale. Yeah. Um, it would definitely be, it has a lot of the features of what the, uh, of what Ooh. these beta, of what the macrostomas have. Oh, 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 oh. So, um, more recently, I was listening, I think it was, oh, I can't remember who it was uh, specifically. I don't know if it was the, the what is it, amateur ge- uh, geologist or geographic guy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where he's, uh, yeah, he, the, the kid who does all those uh, science facts. Casual and, geographic. Yeah. And, uh, or if it was, or it was under something else, but they were talking about the size limit, limit, the, the limiting factor on size of animals. Because, you know, if you look at uh, T- uh, T-Rex compared to an elephant, elephants are a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, oh, well, why is that as compared to, you know, things in the ocean? And where we were talking earlier about that, about where it's um, uh, like weight issue. Yeah. That might not exactly be the only thing that's a limiting factor. It's also the heat factor. And because whales can lose all that heat because they're in the water. So this thing lives high up in mountains mm-hmm. so it can be very large because it also needs that extra uh layered yep to to basically stay to basically stay warm in the higher altitudes yeah which is something i had considered when we were doing this the only problem that i have is because the only thing we tend to have is this one illustration there's no real proof of size for the bolter Oh. And illustrations vary and insane. And yeah. yeah, there's the traditional one that looks a little bit smaller. 
Um, but then there's this one that just looks like you took a big blue whale, blew it up a couple hundred pounds, and just flopped it onto a small mountain. Yeah. So there's no way that this thing is sliding down. Yeah. It's just there. Oh, it yeah, doesn't no. know. That one is, does not know what a 45 degree is. Yeah, that one also. That's because of my just based off the size of the uh, trees. That's yeah. also uh, either extremely long with bad perspective. Yeah. Or that's also just a hill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, that's it's, the worst mountain in the United States. Yeah. I mean, there are some interesting shots of what, you know, <laughs> it's a hill with ideals outside of its uh, outside of its play, station. Uh, pl station. But the whole thing with the bolter is um, the legend comes from an area called Rico, Colorado, um, a very mountainous area. Uh, the whole concept is it's a really, really interesting idea and i don't know if we want to talk more about the animal itself before we get into its extinction basically because as far as we know only one has ever existed because no one has ever actually seen it which always makes me wonder how long this thing would have lived anyway but only one bolter has ever been known to exist and basically what happened is um a ranger like I said, do you see the okay? Like I said, there's the occasional dummy for this. They came up with a plan to finally rid the rid the world of the bolter, <laughs> and that was to you take one of these dummies, stuff it full of dynamite, and then make it look like a tourist in a North in a Norfolk jacket, have a tourist guide on it, and let Socks the and sandals. Yep, the whole thing, the whole nine of whatever a tourist of you know 1856 would have. Should I read the last paragraph? Yep, go for it. Okay, so this involves its extinction slash destruction. Once again, this is coming from our future textbook for our podcast. Fearsome creatures of the lumber woods with a few desert and mount mountain beasts. Once again, by William Thomas Cox. Everybody can get a copy of this. This will be our textbook from here on out. When we have a creature that we'll be referencing, I will give you the page number. The, the university store is selling it for $80. Once again, talk to the University of Michigan. Yeah. Uh, all right. A forest ranger whose district included the rough country between Offer Peaks and the Lizard Head conceived the bold idea of decoying a rock slide bolter to its own destruction. A dummy tourist was rigged up with plaid Norfolk jacket, knee breeches, and a guide to Colorado. It was then filled full of giant powder and fulmic, ful, fulminate, okay, okay. Spell it out. Full, uh, so F-U-L-M-I-N-A-T-E. Oh, okay. Oh. Fulminate? Fulminate. Oh, not fuckamate. <laughs> fulminate. Yep. Uh, you're right. Fulminate. Yep, you're right. You're actually right on that. It's fulminate. Okay, I'll do that sentence, yeah. uh, that part again. Go ahead. It was then filled full of giant powder and fulminate caps and posted in a conspicuous place 
where sure enough, the next day, it attracted the attention of a bolter, which had been hanging for days on the slope of Lizardhead. The resulting explosion flattened half of the buildings in Rico, which were never rebuilt, and the surrounding hills fattened flocks of buzzards the rest of the summer. Yep. So ends our reading on page 21. That's Lizardhead, by the way. So, um, yeah, so now, officially speaking, the Slide Rock Bolters are extinct. Um, officially? Officially, they are extinct. Who knows if there are any more left, but so far, people have walked the trails. Tourists have been taking the trails. Bolter safe. So, at this point, as far as we know, no one's been eaten by a bolter. So, let's just say, mission accomplished. Yay! Now, the whole thing is, this is a local legend for the Rico area. Yeah. And there's more to the story than just, you know... Big whale, eat man. Yeah. The whole reason that the bolter specifically targets tourists is for the obvious reason of the Rico locals don't want the tourists to be there, especially those East Coast tourists who might have a problem with the lumber industry. Ah, yes. So I'm not going to go into the whole history of the Rico area, um, but suffice to say, because there's a lot of tragedy involved, the biggest portion of the tragedy comes from a lot of commonplace unkept promises, especially to the native tribes who were in the area. Um, so originally what happened was at around the 18, around the early 1850s, um, the gold rush was coming to an end in California. And then 49ers decided to try their luck in Colorado, where they've been hearing rumors of gold in the area. There's a gold in them hills. And apparently there was. So they get there and needless to say, they get there. There's a native tribe. The native tribe is Ute. Originally speaking, the Ute were given permission to basically be like, it's our land. You don't get it. Eventually, though, the U.S. government, you know, turned their backs, backstabbed them, turned on the deal and and let the uh, people build the town of Rico, which was a thriving gold community for a while until the gold ran out. Then it was a thriving silver community until the silver ran out. Then the only natural resource left were the trees. And the problem was loggers were clear cutting at a mad pace. Like just an insane amount of clear cutting was occurring in that area. And it was leading to the ire of the U.S. government because that was one resource where they're like, this is something that you can you can rebuild on. So they started to try and send out people to look into it. And those people came back with stories of the slide rock bolter. It's not the loggers who are doing the problem. It's the bolter who's clearing these tree areas. And it has a taste for tourists. So I wouldn't recommend coming here if you want to keep your lives. If there was one, there can be more. By the time they came up with the plan to blow up the bolter, Rico was already on the downside. It was already on the downturn. At that point, they had clear cut that forest to nothing. There's basically nothing left in the Rico area to speak of for forest. And the town was already dying off. So why not fill in the legend by claiming that half the town was destroyed in an explosion destroying 
essentially the la- to believe, be believed the last slide rock bolter. And so with that, the town of Rico cleared out, moved south for the next logging operation. And that is the tragic beginning and end to the slide rock bolter. Poor little guy. It's honestly one of the things that was surprising because again, backstabbing, you know, a first nationer is not, you know, an unknown is not an, you know, is a commonplace story in this country. We've been doing that since its inception, basically. Yep. So that wasn't the surprising part. The surprising part was the entire environmental ecology that they were willing to destroy by creating this myth. It was such a crazy idea to me that it's like, there were some conservationists who were just like, hey, maybe it's not a good idea to clear cut this entire forest. And everyone's saying, shut up or we're going to eat you. Yeah, pretty much. It. It's... It's such a crazy, crazy idea. It's, yeah, it's the stupid idea of, uh, I want my money now, and yeah. I don't care, what do I have to do to get it? We were honestly, like, when I got, like, at first it seemed like, this is kind of a fun idea. We get to really have some fun with this crazy idea of what this creature could have been, where it could have come from. And then you get down to this dark truth of where it even originated from. Yeah. You know, I wish that someone had seen a movie about a giant fish and was describing it to people, you know, a la the Chupacabra. I yeah. wish it could be something that's like, oh, no harm, no foul. This was something that truly was like, by the time I got done learning about this, I'm like, this is sickening. Yeah. It's, it's genuinely sickening that people would go to such lengths to try and basically... Just say, I'm taking what's mine and screw the consequences. And yeah. it, it it drives me mad. I, I really don't know what else to say about it. You know, it's it's one of those things where I want to see, you know, it, it's this problem that we're still facing today. You know, as long as I get as long as I get mine, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And I don't genuinely believe that people are like that until they have the fear put in them. Yeah. So going off of that, it's like, I was like, yep, William Thomas Cox was the first state forester for Minnesota and commissioner of conservation. And he would be one of those that they would say, how dare you come in here and tell us what to do? But an excerpt from uh, his book, he's quoted as, the lumber regions are contracting. Stretches of the for- stretches of forest that once seemed boundless are all but gone, and many a stream is quiet that once ran full of logs and echoed the song of the running driver. Some say that the old type of logger himself is becoming extinct. It is my purpose in this little book to preserve at least a description and sketch of some of those interesting creatures which he has originated. Even Thomas Cox got tricked by it. You got tricked, son. It's unfortunate, but it did lead to an interesting discussion about what would be this creature. Why would something like that even exist? In a lot of ways, it would be interesting to think that if such a creature existed, it could clear-cut areas just to help promote new growth. And it could. Realistically, if it ate and digested trees, it would have to leave waste where it goes, and that waste could promote new growth. Hopefully. Heck, uh, the slime that it produced could be a byproduct of waste. Yeah. So then you're, yeah, it's reseeding the, the, the trail. Yeah. 
it's yours is a place of hope. And that's where I want this to be is I don't want this to end on a sad note. It's it, it's tragic that it was the way it was. But I also do think that in it is hope. You put in hope in that. Weirdly enough, Mac, you were the hopeful one this time. Yay! How awful for me. But it is a it is pleasant to think that if such a creature existed, its purpose would exist. It would have its own niche in the system. Basically, call and cultivate old growth to help promote new growth. Yeah, because that's always the interesting thing about it. It's in nature, the whole notion that it's a food like because you would say the food web the food like if you cut too many strings in the food web it collapses and that's what happens in nature sadly and that's also so the the whole notion of invasive species invasive species are species that don't belong in, a, in an area but they can take advantage because they don't have any natural predators or anything that's really out to get them so it's it destroys the food web in the area because it's like, oh, cool. I have nothing holding me back. Yeah. And therefore it takes all the resources for itself, leaving the natural species in the area without the resources that they need to thrive. Yeah. So, yeah. So if the species did exist, it wouldn't be just this ecological monster because it couldn't, because then it could never reproduce because it would starve itself by just yeah. destroying all the areas. Okay, that's one thing we hadn't thought about was what is bolter reproduction like? How does that work for a species like this? Uh, well, it depends on what it is. So, so, <laughs> so in, the male in the, rock... of, in the sense of is it a mammal or is it something that lays eggs? Because when we were talking about something that that's that big, it also could be a, a rep, giant reptile, so it can go into like a hibernated state in between feedings yeah going to torpor do, yeah uh do angler fish uh give birth to live young no no i i think so i no, i think they they also might not know because um i know that there are some animals that are not they're not full live birth bearers you know like there's some sharks where it's still, it's not ovaries, but uh, I mean, not a well, what you're uterus, about, not a full uterus. Well, you're also, you, what you're referring to is like, does the egg hatch inside as, or is it that it doesn't have, well, because we humans have eggs too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just, I'm just saying for the regular person, there are animals that, you wouldn't be so easily able to just divide them by eggs because everybody, the whole reason you're a female is you produce eggs. Females breed just three times per year. Um, the number of offspring is unknown, but female angler fish release between 300,000 and 2.8 million eggs in large gelatinous strings a few meters long. Oof. So yeah, they. You know, you know, you. Oh, that's it. Female bolter slides down, drops the eggs. Male bolter slides down, drops the sperm. Uh, I was gonna do. I was gonna do something a little bit different, where a male slide bolter finds out about a female bolter. Hence, why you get the different size illustrations. Oh, the male is smaller, and eventually. 
and has an easier time going up the mountain. Yeah, and okay. then the male, so the female releases, the male releases, they slide by each other. Oh, <laughs> male attach, <laughs> bites and attaches like a male anglerfish melts its face and imposes itself on the female. Now, because they're constantly sliding up and down, he's basically dead after she does a couple slides to feed because he gets uh, scraped off. Oh, yeah. So he, oh, so it's just one mating. So it's just basically one big mating session for days for him, and then it's just done. Like octopus? Yeah. Then he's down at the bottom, and she can release her eggs on it, and they can feed off of the... Oh, this is... Yeah, because while they're still small, they could still, you know, mudskipper their way to their own mountainsides. Yep. Oh, there we go. Hey, there's a note we can end on. Yeah. Uh, that... We end on the, mate... the mating habits of the rock slide bolter. That is, honestly, that there couldn't be a better place. We can then believe that they are... We can still believe that the rock slide bolters are still out there somewhere in the vicinity of the Rico area, just creating their own havoc on the tourists who are there. Okay, people, you out there listening, you need to get us other people to listen to this because I am willing to make a second edition of the fearsome creatures of the Lumberwoods with a few desert and mountain beasts. Edition two, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Where we will add all of our creatures that we've talked about so far, and I can put an addendum to William Thomas Cox's one-page description of the Rockside Bolter. And we can even put how they recently found new outcroppings with young Rockslide Bolters being assisted in raising by Sasquatches. Beautiful. Beautiful. So we need you to press like on all of your podcasting apps. Podcasting apps. We need you to go to oh now I need to find that what that website was called. The website that I it this website, I don't know if you guys have put anything on it, but it's called podchaser.com. I've heard I just heard someone talk about that. And I think this just has all the RSVs feeds and we're on it. And nice. so far, only person, only person who's rated us is me. So you people out there, get on who happen to listen, go on to all the sites that all the sites that we are on. And because I'm I'm really wanting us to grow this and. Oh, see, I've been I've been actively telling people I I hate it, so they shouldn't. But... <laughs> well, yeah, the thing that I started and created and spent so yeah, much time on. Yeah, the thing I'm that's like, your baby. <laughs> yeah, no, I I I tell so many people, and I'm just like, it, it it's yeah, just annoying because it's just like you can tell me I suck, tell me I suck at this point. Yeah, I want to know because we've got an email address, people, and. Eventually, hopefully, we can do some streaming of these uh, uncut videos. But another thing is, if we if we're gonna make a Patreon eventually down the line, we there needs to be a reason that we have the Patreon. Besides, oh, give us money. 
because that's another thing is if if we get enough people and we create a patreon i can actually put the fearsome creatures of the lumberwoods with a few desert and mountain beasts second edition as a reward or a challenge you know if you raise so much this will actually get published oh and you know, in that same vein, I'm just going to say, money, please. Plus, I want to be able to make random ads that don't make sense for products. Hey, we crossed a thousand downloads. What? Nice. Actually, that's impressive. A thousand downloads on 30 episodes? That's not bad. Wait, oh, okay. What, what, do, we, do we know what we want to talk about for next time? Or are we going to leave that to a surprise also? Did you, did you remember that one that you wanted? No, but I didn't get a chance to look it up. So if I if I can remember it, I, I've got a feeling it was something like, again, I got to look through because Dean was watching a bunch of cryptid videos one day. And it was definitely some elephantine type creature from what I remember seeing that I think I wanted to do. But I have to look it up. I have to see if I can find it. If we're going to do that, what you want on I'm the thinking. short list, we stumbled across the puka. Yeah. Oh, okay. A real creature feature is created by Matt Kuklinski, starring Matt Kuklinski, Michael Seaman, and Dean Snow. Any questions, comments, artwork, or general inquiries can be sent to realcreaturefeature at gmail.com. You can view any submitted fan art and pictures on our Instagram at a real creature feature. Some episodes were recorded weeks in advance due to our current sporadic recording schedule. Any comments left will be seen and addressed at some point, and you will be credited unless you tell us you wish to remain anonymous. If you like the podcast, please leave a review on the podcast app that works best for you. It really helps us out. Also, tell your friends, enemies, and total strangers about the podcast. They might enjoy it too, and that can bring us all closer together. popular pace for ghost hunters you mean just because uh i've i've had i have mixed feelings about any ghost hunter period because like most of the time it's just extra bs oh i mean look but you got to trust these ghost hunters well no because i've also heard about uh uh producers literally faking shit well no kidding what because ghosts aren't real yeah Look, like I said, the, like I would rather watch a show. My favorite is still um, the YouTube channel Watcher. Um, are they on? Are are the videos on Watcher from the Ghost Hunt from their Ghost Hunting videos, or are those still on BuzzFeed? I think I think those are still on BuzzFeed because okay, the first place I heard them talk, first place about this that I saw about this city was there. Um, oh, was there? Was, was their show? From, yeah. Okay. So yeah, there's these two guys, um, Ryan, Ryan and Shane. And thank you. Cause I could not remember Ryan's name for some reason. Um, and they basically, they do a bunch of videos and stuff and some of them are really neat, but like Ryan is a true, true believer in ghosts. Cause he had an experience on the queen Mary and well, I've seen the queen Mary. Yeah. So he actually said like he stayed on the queen Mary and had, he, he genuinely believes he had a paranormal experience, you know? A toothpaste fell off of the shelf by the by the mirror. Yeah, it's it's kind of a thing where it's like it's just yeah, but so he had this what he felt was a genuine paranormal experience, became a true believer, and his partner is a guy named Shane 
who is truly a skeptic. Just 100% does not believe in ghosts, does not believe in any of this stuff. Well, so for him, good. so for him, these are just like explorations of rundown places, which can be neat in its own right. So there is an issue of uh, Hellboy where Hellboy went to a mansion where it was supposedly haunted and mm -hmm. you are seeing it from um, the ghost perspective. Yeah. Hellboy doesn't see any of the ghosts. Okay. The ghosts are all around him constantly. And they, you know, keep poking fun at him and he's sleeping. He's like, has no issues. And then he was like, most haunted house in the country, my ass. And yeah. left when he's leaving. And I just feel like that's what it would be like if I went ghost hunting. Cause it's just like, if there were ghosts, I'm like, I just, I don't think I'm sensitive to it or something. I don't know. Yeah. Cause I've never, I've never had an experience. I've never had anything near an experience. The one thing I've ever seen that was like unexplainable is because I just don't know about it. It was when I used to work at uh, Pine Lake and uh, I saw some lights in the sky. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm pretty sure they're like fireworks because it was also during the summer. Yeah. You want to know the if we took statistics, the people that get possessed by demons are those that believe in demons. Yeah, generally. The bet so the best way to protect yourself is to not believe. 